Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, we are continuing our journey in what we call the Hall of Faith. It's a wonderful chapter. I've enjoyed it. And I've, I've confessed many times that I need this. Okay? I don't know if you, you, know, you ever go to church and you, you walk away and you heard a message. And you go, man, I needed to hear that today. I do that every week. You know, all week long, I'm studying and taking in the scripture and studying the text and learning the lessons. Lord, help me to learn the lessons that I'm going to teach you because I don't want it just to be all talk. It's got to be a part of my life. And I hope you realize that for yourself. It's not just looking for a good message. It's not like going to the movies. I hope it's a good movie today. It's something for me that God's going to speak to me and show me direction for my life and then either encourage or rebuke me. You come to church because you want to hear from the Lord, from the Lord's will. Now, today's um, from the Lord's word. Today, uh, we're looking at, the, I, I couldn't make up my mind on what the call, the title of today's message. So I put two up there. I don't know if you see that. I got two. It's actually, faith qualifies the unqualified, and faith makes the unworthy worthy. Oh, what, I caught a typo. I actually had it in there backwards. He makes the worthy unworthy. So I have, yeah, don't, don't want it that way. Faith makes the unworthy worthy. And so let me explain that. Today we're going to look at two different instances that were kind of tied together. In verse 30, we're looking at uh, the battle of Jericho. And Jericho was the first battle that took place when the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan. You can read it in Joshua chapter 1 through 6. A wonderful story. I had to read it and reread it. And, you know, the more I'm reading my New Living, I think uh, my next time I read all the way through the Bible, I'm going to read it in New Living. I just love the way it, 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 uh, it comes alive, okay? So Jericho, the, the, the Hebrews fought their first battle coming into the Promised Land, and it was right in the middle of the Promised Land. They're going to divide it and conquer, okay? And, and it was a sizable walled city, as we're going to talk about in a moment, and it had substantial defenses to protect them against invaders, and so the thing is, the Hebrew people were inexperienced soldiers. They weren't mighty experienced warriors. They were, we could call them unqualified to fight this kind of battle. And yet they obeyed God and won a decisive victory over these experienced warriors in a defensed city. So faith qualifies the unqualified. I'm still going to read the story to you, okay? But the, the, the next picture we'll look at is in verse 31 of Hebrews 11, and we're looking at the story of Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. How'd she get perks in the Bible? How did she get 
kudos from God. She was a prostitute, and if anyone might be considered unworthy of God's favor, it would be her. But she simply believed God and acted upon that faith of, of belief in God. And as she believed God and acted upon it, the Lord gave her kudos. She, she actually gained access to the hall of faith, and, and God commended her for her faith, and she saved herself and her family through believing in God. So faith makes the unworthy worthy. I want you to see this because how many of you here have ever felt unworthy of God? Huh? I mean, if you're honest, if you have a sensitive conscience, conscience you, you, you have to raise your hand because in reality, we realize we're all unworthy. Good thing that God knows how to make <clears throat> the unworthy worthy. As a matter of fact, there's, there's a couple of verses I always read to you continually, and, and I'm going to just continue. If you stay here any length of time, you're going to hear Romans chapter 4, uh, especially verse 4 through 8. But today I'm going to read it from a different translation that you, I don't think I've read it to you before. Let's look at Romans chapter 4, verse 4 in the Amplified Bible. And here's how the Amplified Bible puts it. Now to a laborer, his wages are not counted as a favor or a gift, but as an obligation, something owed to him. But, one, but to one who, not working by the law, trusts or f- believes fully in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. Stop there for a second. Look at, look at the, I underlined, I don't know if I underlined it up there, I did. Okay. Um, <clears throat> him who justifies the ungodly. You've got to think about that. Because it doesn't say God picks out the godly. God chooses the righteous. No, none is righteous. No, not one. You know what God does? He justifies the ungodly. He takes you and me and people like us who are not worthy. And he has a way of justifying us and making us right. Let me read that again. Him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credit to him as righteousness. That means when you trust in Christ... Faith qualifies you. And in parentheses in the Amplified Bible, it says uh, righteousness, the standing acceptable to God. You could be, find yourself acceptable to God by trusting him. And I've told you before, <clears throat> to me, and I, I don't know where I get these ideas, but as I've read through the Bible many times, uh, to me, I look at like a reversal of what happened in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were told the rules, and they broke the rules. Why? Because, first of all, Eve listened to the wrong voice, believed the wrong voice, and obeyed the wrong voice, and sinned. And I believe that the gospel is, the way back to God is, you listen to the right voice, you believe the right voice, and you, you, you act upon it. So the way back to God is just the reverse of the garden. It's by faith. Who do you believe? Because who you believe is who you're going to obey. Who you believe, what you believe affects how you live. Okay, now I'm going to continue in Romans 4, verse 6 through 8. Oh, I'm going to read it now from the New Living, verses 6. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. Wait, 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 do you see that? What joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. How many of you guys have ever disobeyed God? 
Be honest. If you're not raising your hand, you're lying and you just broke a law right there, okay? But here's the thing. There's, there's forgiveness. Even for those of us who've rebelled and disobeyed, thank you, Lord. There's a way back. Oh, what joy for those who dis, whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. How many of you guys would like your record cleared, huh? Wouldn't it be nice? Have you ever wished, oh, I wish I could do that all over again? I wish I could go back and change a few things. God will erase your record as you trust in Christ for salvation. Because the blood of Jesus Christ washes away every sin. Hallelujah. This is good news. Why do you think they call the gospel good news? So if you're aware of your own unworthiness, if you've ever felt or do feel right now disqualified and hopeless before God, there's hope for you in Christ because we are way back is through just trusting him. You can't undo the bad you've done. You can't do more good than bad to, to make it right. You trust him to clear your record, to forgive your transgressions, to wash you and make you new. Oh, Father, we bow before you right now. And I pray especially for anyone listening to the sound of my voice, whether it's in this room or live streaming or later on the radio, who may be feeling hopeless. Lord Jesus, you are our hope. And I pray that you'd reveal yourself as the hope of that one person who's just listening right now, feeling, feeling beyond reach, feeling despondent and, and beyond hope. Lord, let them know that you are the one who could save. We can't save ourselves, but Lord, we call on you. Open our eyes now as we look at your word that we would experience a clear record, forgiveness of sins, transgressions forgiven, and a hope of eternal life. Speak to us now through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right. So a little review. Uh, Hebrews, as you remember, Hebrews chapter 11 is, we call it the Hall of Faith. And it was written to prove, as, as the Holy Spirit throughout Hebrews is trying to show us the way to be right with God is not through jumping all the hoops, not through keeping every law and every rule, but it's faith in Christ. And so just to prove that that's always been the way, because the recipients of the book of Hebrews is Hebrews. Hebrew people who were, were really committed to the law of Moses, which is, was a good thing. It was God's law, but they, they had gotten this twisted idea that righteousness could come through their own, their own efforts. And what the writer of Hebrews, the Holy Spirit is doing, is going back to the Old Testament, some of these heroes of the, of the Jewish people, and showing you that, you know what, the way to be right with God has always been the same. It's always been by faith. And so one by one, we pull up Enoch, and Abel, and Noah, and Moses, and we've looked at these people who have done wrong. Many of them have done worse things than you have. Can you believe that? And yet, we see that they, as well as we, are made right with God through faith, by faith. And keep in mind also that in the time that this was written, the Jewish religion had become quite corrupt and, and misfocused and polluted. Uh, you know, if, if you read the Old Testament, you see they go in cycles anyway. You know, they, they, they're right with God and God brings them into the promised land and then they fall into idolatry and sin and they start copying the, the, the uh, pagan neighbors around them and they start worshiping false gods. God would send a, uh, you know, 
problems and trouble and raise up their enemy. God quite often does that. He raised up their enemies to overcome them, to teach them, to chase, chasten them because they're in sin. And then they'd call upon God and they'd repent and get right, and God would send a judge. And a judge would rule over the land and bring them repentance and bring them deliverance, and they'd be good for a while, and then they'd slip back into sin. And when they slip back into sin, God would bring judgment and let the enemies raise up against them. And then they'd call upon the name of the Lord. Do you notice a pattern here? And God would send a judge. And it's a cycle over and over again. That's human nature. Matter of fact, in Christianity, some of the great, some of the big denominations, I'd probably, I, I don't know the church history as well as I should, so I would like to say every denomination, but probably not. There are many denominations that started with great revivals. God did a great work. And then as time went on, they start forgetting what the Lord had shown them. Usually it happens the second, third generation, and pretty soon they've, they've drifted. That's my fear for the Calvary Chapel movement. Man, I was there in the beginning. I know I look 21 like John, but uh, I was there in the beginning when, when the Jesus movement was in full swing and people were on fire for the Lord. And it was a revival. I could tell you stories that I'll hold off right now, but listen, I've watched as one thing after another came in and attacked the church of God, the Calvary Chapel movement. What is it? I heard one person say that um, most revivals, they start out with a man, and God uses that man greatly. And that man becomes a movement. It's a movement, a revival of God. It's all M's, by the way, if you want to remember this. A man of movement. And, and before you know it, they want to cop, other churches want to copy what they're doing. What are they doing over there? We've got to do the same thing. It becomes a machine. It goes from a man to a movement to a machine, and pretty soon the machine just becomes whatever, a museum. And as time goes on, they just kind of vaguely remember the man who started it. And it goes from a, a man to a movement to a machine to a museum to a ma mausoleum. And God help us that we hold course in Jesus. You know what? God can revive each one of us individually, even though we've seen divisions, we've seen churches divide and all kinds of problems. But you know what? You as individuals, me, I can keep my walk right with the Lord. No matter, well, are you following the, I Forgive me for bringing this up, but CGN or CCA or CG, all the different divisions. You know what? I follow Jesus. And I, I'm not taking sides. All the, you know, man could corrupt and give man enough time, whether it's in the Jewish religion or, the, or Christian Christianity, give men enough time to organize and make committees and make rules, and, and they, we could ruin anything, okay? And then you know what happens? God has to start over with a new revival and fresh man to raise up. So, but be careful of false prophets, so don't, don't jump on everything that comes along. But anyway, that's my take on it. What is it? Here's the thing. Our battle is against two basic elements. The human element, because the human element, boy, when you give people power and money, then greed and control rise up, right? The human element. Boy, we could be dangerous, right? God, protect me from myself, right? But then we've got the demonic element. There's the two elements that are danger. It's myself and Satan, the demonic element that would want to intentionally sabotage a work of God, either in my life personally or in the entire movement of God. And there's always a warfare going on. So why do I say that? Because that's what was going on, the same cycle of the human problems in the um, 
the Jewish religion at the time, and Christianity came along. Uh, Judaism had, be, had gathered all kinds of corruption and misconceptions and false ideas, and we have to beware of bad religion, you know. And so the Holy Spirit, through the book of Hebrews, is speaking to these Jews who were confused about a lot of things. And I'll remind you something I've reminded you many times. How are we saved? What is it that we got to do? It's the old Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And I'm going to read it to you from the New Living. So it always messes me up because I've got it memorized. I've got everything memorized in King James. I've got to really concentrate when I read it in another translation. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things, so that we could do good things he planned for us long ago. You don't get saved by doing good things, but you got saved so that now you could do good things. You didn't get saved so you could, because you live a good life, but you got saved so that now you can live a good life, okay? There's no excuse for living in sin. We get saved because of him, but now I want to live unto righteousness. So let's start with the story of Rahab. And I know that verse 30 comes before verse 31. But if you know the story, the story of Rahab happened, began before the, the, the Jericho battle. Okay, So I'm going to switch these verses around. We're going to start with verse 31 uh, that's, that tells us, I've got to find it in my Bible. My eyes are jumping all over the place. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Okay? Now, let's look at the story of Rahab. And again, I'm going to read it to you from the New Living because it flows so nicely. It's back in Joshua chapter 2, starting with verse 20. Uh, 20. I'm looking at it. It ends on 24, and it starts at 1, so it's 20. Okay, so verse 1 tells us, Then Joshua secretly sent out spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove and instructed them, Scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there the night. Now that gets you suspicious right off the bat, doesn't it? Now, here's the thing you got to understand. A couple things here. First of all, you wonder why did Joshua send out spies? Because when Moses sent out spies the, the first time they were going to enter the land, he sent out 12. They came back with a mixed review and everybody got scared. Remember, that didn't go so well, right? But now he sends two, okay? And they end up staying at the house of the, of the prostitute. Let me explain something to you that you may not be aware of. In most ancient cultures, even in the New Testament times, um, inns and hotels were not like they are today. They were usually houses of prostitution. That's where the, and of course it was popular with the men. They'd go and spend the night there. And so you would think that this would cause suspicion, but this would be the best way to not cause suspicion when you're coming in from out of town and you want to stay undercover and find a place to stay, you'd go to Rahab's house or one like it. They weren't going there for the purpose you might think. They were going there because it would avoid uh, suspicion. Verse 2 says, But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent out orders to Rahab. Bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Now verse 4 says that Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, 
Yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from, and they left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close, and I don't know where they went. If you hurry, maybe you could catch them. Boy, isn't that sneaky, right? In parentheses, actually, she had taken them to the roof and hidden them beneath the bundles of flax she had laid out. So there's some flax drying out in, under the sun in the roof, on the roof, and they were hiding upstairs. I don't know if she took the ladder down and hit it or how she pulled that off, but it goes on to say, So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. They knew the only way they could get here is cross the river, so let's look for the, the shortest paths across the river. Hunt these men down, okay? As soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up to the roof to talk with them. Now listen to what this prostitute says to these men of God who are spying out the land. Verse 9, I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are, we are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we've heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. That was 40 years ago. They had become famous. Now I wonder, because there's no, nothing telling you in the scripture, how did they even find out about that? Who saw that? <laughs> that, it could, that the word spread. But evidently the word had spread about the Israelite or the, the Hebrew people and the, what had God had done and everyone's going, I hope they don't come this way. Because who could stop a people like that? Because, again, it says, we have heard, verse 10, we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt 40 years ago. And we know that you, what you did to King Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan, uh, if you, I think it was in Deuteronomy, uh, while they were still on the other side of the Jordan, before they entered the Promised Land, there were some nations that gave them trouble, and the Lord gave them victory and just wiped them out. And so they've got fame for both victories and miracles that, that had spread, the word had spread about them, okay? Uh, whose people you completely destroyed. Verse 11, no wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing these things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of heaven above and the earth below. This is her statement of faith. This is a sign that Rahab, this prostitute, who all she knew was the worship of pagan gods, uh, she was a polygamist. In that day, in that place, in that culture, there was many gods that they worshipped. But Rahab, from hearing what she heard, she goes, this is the one true God. And these people are going to wipe us out because they are, this, the, the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heaven above and the earth below. Now swear to me, she says, by the Lord, that you will be kind to me and my family since I've helped you. Look, I saved you from the king, hid you. Would you spare my life? It goes on to say, give me some guarantee that when Jericho was conquered, you will let me live. Again, another statement of faith. I believe your God is the God of heaven and earth. I believe you, you get the one true God, and I believe your God is going to conquer this city. So I'm with you, buddy, okay? <clears throat> it says... Uh, you will let me live along with, listen to this, she's really bargaining, right? Along with my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all their families. I wonder how many they could fit into that clause, right? Now, another thing that got me thinking along these lines is if you, if you study ancient cultures, often good women could become prostitutes because their husband dies, and there's nobody else left in the family, no one to take care of them, and the only way that they could survive is to turn to prostitution. 
Quite often that would be, you'd hear a sad story about a woman who had no other choice. She was good in many ways, but she had no other way to survive. But this gal has her mom and dad around and her brothers and her family and lots of relatives, so I think she might not have been what you consider an innocent, poor, victim, good woman, okay? She had chosen that profession, it seemed, and I don't know her story, and we, we can't guess beyond that. Uh, but it goes on, if you don't betray us, the, the men, excuse me, verse 14, uh, we offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety. The men agreed, if you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down through a rope through the window. Now, I'll show you in a, in a second when we get to the Jericho story. I actually did some searching, and I got some illustrations of what that wall looked like uh, because they have done excavations, and they, they got a pretty good idea. <clears throat> so, um, in verse 16, she told them, Escape to the hill country. She told them, Hide there for three days for the men searching for for you, and then they will have, after they've returned, you can go your way. Before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. Now, this is an interesting plan. Listen to verse 18. When we come into the land, you must leave the scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. We all remember this place, and so we know who to spare. I want you to Hang a scarlet rope out your window. And all of your family members, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your relatives must be inside the house. You know, I, I don't know if you're catching it, but this reminds me of over 40 years earlier when the children of Israel wanted to escape the angel of death. And the angel of death was going to go through the land and bring death to the firstborn of every family in Egypt and, and the Hebrew people. And what did they do? They took the blood of the lamb. And they put it on the doorpost of their, uh, of their homes. And, and when the angel of death saw the, the red markings on the doorpost of their homes, the angel of death passed over that house. The wrath of God passed over each home that had the red, the scarlet rope. We hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.